0: Bob here again. This is part two of my podcast on logic and common sense. I know, I know. Those two words, logic and common sense, scare the bejeevies out of some believers. You see, many in the church foolishly believe that they cannot even brush their teeth properly if the Holy Spirit is not directing their path. This is a podcast about using intellectual logic and simple spiritual discernment to understand spiritual truth. Just remember, I have told you listeners that I believe I have a touch of the Old Testament prophet in me. Those Old Testament prophets were men of God whom the Lord used to get harsh, rebuking, but truthful messages to his lukewarm children. Sadly, 99% of those messages God sent were not received very well by God's people. In fact, they wanted to kill and stone those prophets because they got sick of hearing the truth. I promise you that if your heart and mind are right with the Lord, You're going to love to hear what I share in these podcasts. I'm hoping to get God's people to see that simply having a faith does not make one right with the Lord. As I will show you shortly, this world is full of spiritual people who have a very strong faith. Unfortunately, a lot of people have faith in crazy, wacko, unrealistic things about God and or God's ways. If you profess to be a Bible believer strongly believing in something that is not biblical or that is not applicable for the church age, that is not biblical faith, that is a misguided faith. As I shared in part one about this podcast, the more I look at and study God's word, the more I see that the Lord expects his children to intellectually study and figure out many of the truths written in the Bible. My main point for these two podcasts is to try to get believers to understand the importance of learning God's Word on their own. There is this idiotic concept in many churches these days that goes something like this. God's people are not able to study and learn God's Word without the Holy Spirit's help. Now there's a place for the Holy Spirit to help you. But when you're 20, 30, 40 years in the Lord, you should be figuring some of this stuff out. Sadly, those who are teaching this concept that believers can't learn anything without the Holy Spirit guiding and leading them, are simply ignorant of biblical truth. Now, I know that most believers who believe this silly concept have not really thought this process through. I will expound on this idea shortly. And I also believe a lot of you are believing stuff because someone else told you this stuff was from the Lord. Christ told his followers to learn from me. In Matthew 9, 13, Christ told some Pharisees to go and learn what this means. I desire compassion. And not sacrifice. The Book of Ephesians commands believers to learn those things which please the Father. Second Timothy three, fourteen through fifteen. Timothy, you continue in the things that you learned from your youth. The Greek meaning of the English word learned or learned is Methano, which means to increase one's knowledge, to be increased in knowledge by hearing, be informed, to learn by practice and use. There's also this foolish concept in some churches these days that goes like this. The Lord does not care much about his children obeying his word as he does about them becoming his children. That concept is a lie from the evil one. The Lord can make children anytime he wants to. He's looking for faithful children. Why would the Apostle Paul run a good righteous spiritual race and fight the good spiritual fight if all that his heavenly father cared about was that Paul got saved? Brethren, listen carefully. Contrary to what most of these Saved by Grace teachers teach, it is not how you start your new Christian life that matters to the Lord as much as it is how you finish your Christian life. Anyways, back to my topic. Because God created us with our free will to believe whatever we choose to believe, it behooves us to believe in the things that God has told us to believe in. People say that they have faith in their sports teams and faith in their children, and faith in their wives, and, or faith that it's going to rain out. The ability of our minds to even have faith is only good if our faith is in the things that are true or righteous. People believe in everything from Bigfoot to aliens. In fact, the ability to believe things can be so strong that there are people out there who say that they were abducted by aliens, put on a UFO, and medically abused. We also got these crazy wackos who believe that we live on a flat earth. Come on, you say. Everyone knows that this world is full of fruitcakes. Sadly, the fruitcakes are not limited to the unsaved realm. In the church today, there are thousands of believers who faithfully believe in stuff they are not commanded to believe in. Here is one example. There are thousands upon thousands of believers in the church who foolishly believe with all their heart and all their soul and all their mind that the KJV Bible The King James Bible is the only inspired version of the scriptures. That idea is not only idiotic, it is ludicrous, and it is just not factually true. And yet there are Christians in the church, even today, who believe that lie so strongly that no historical facts and no spiritual logic is going to change their minds. The church also has many believers who strongly believe biblical stuff that the scriptures do not tell them to believe. Yes, if God's people do not have a good understanding of scriptures, they can actually be believing in stuff right out of the Bible that is not for the church age. Tithing. There's an example, tithing. Giving 10% each and every week is not for the church age, and yet many in the church push it, believe it, teach it. The sign gifts, healing, tongues, and prophecy are not for the church age, and yet thousands in the church are desperately seeking to see those non-church-age signs happen. Way too many believers claim to have faith concerning something that God has never told us to have faith in. The God of the Bible never promised that he would find us a wife or a husband or a new job or even give us a healthy body. We live in a time when the rain falls on the righteous and the unrighteous alike. We live in a world where life is not always fair, even for God's people. The good Lord did not promise to protect his chosen apostles from suffering and persecution and eventual martyrdom. The good Lord never promised to keep his children from suffering if they walk with him. In fact, God promised them just the opposite of that. Many in the church are taught that the scriptures are constantly telling God's people to trust God for big things in their lives. My question to you is, where does the Bible say that? We are told by people in the church to believe that God will... Provide for us things like a spouse, a new job, a healthy body. My question again to you is, where does the Bible say that? I personally believe that way too many believers are trusting the Lord for things He never promised to give them. The Lord never promises children they will be healthy all the days of their earthly lives. Never. The Lord never promises children a life of economic prosperity. Never. The Lord never promised believers He would provide a husband or a wife or even children. Never. And yet the church has turned the Lord into a Santa Claus-like God who joyfully gives gifts and presents to all his children. Brethren, you are not even going to get a promise from the Lord whispered in your ear in the middle of the night if that promise is not based on a biblical condition. God always tells his children, if you obey me and do this, then I will do that. My God, we have believers in the church relying more on a quirky dream that they had in the middle of the night than in God's written word. There are things that we can truly trust God for our eternal salvation, if we continue in the faith, eternal rewards and blessings, if we continue in the faith. We will be persecuted if we continue in the faith. We can trust God that we will be persecuted. But our health and well-being were not part of the getting born again plan. The bottom line is that the Lord expects his children to trust him regardless of what we are going through. It is easy to trust in the Lord when life is going good, isn't it? However, when we trust the Lord when life turns into crap, this is the kind of faith that impresses God. Please listen carefully. As believers, it is our responsibility to trust God for the things that he has told us to trust him for. And even understanding what those things are takes a good knowledge and understanding of the Scriptures. So when I say that our relationship with God is not only entered into by faith, it is also maintained by faith as well. There needs to be an ongoing relationship with our Heavenly Father, which is nourished and strengthened through the learning of what God is telling us in His Word, not the things outside of God's Word. Just think about this. Many of you are trusting and obeying the Lord, and yet, the thing you have chosen to believe in or to trust in is not even in the scriptures. You are not showing the Lord your faith when you do that. In fact, you are showing the Lord that his word means nothing to you, or at least that his word is less important than what you believe. So again, true faith is taking God at his written word and not some mystical words that you hear in the middle of the night or somebody from church talk to you about. And brethren, God-pleasing faith definitely does not come from the words of some fool who knows less about the Bible than you do. Our faith should be limited to believing only the things God has told us to believe. 2 Timothy 2.15, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Rightly dividing means determining those things in God's word that he wants all believers to do. Or to know. Rightly dividing God's word means that you have read and understand that there are things in the scriptures that the Lord wants you to do and that there are things in the scriptures that the Lord does not want you to do. Brethren, just because you read something in the Bible, many times even in the New Testament, that does not mean that the Lord wants you to do it. What happened on the day of Pentecost was an amazing event, but the day of Pentecost was a one time unique event that the Lord used for two purposes. And those two purposes were to show the nation of Israel and the world in general that he was going to be starting up this brand new thing eventually called the body of Christ and that he would be using these 12 men, these 12 apostles, these 12 Jewish apostles to start up this church age. These 12 Jews were basically men who broke away from the religious Old Testament teachings of Israel to start up a brand new religion headed by Yeshua Christ. What happened in the day of Pentecost was not intended for the Gentile believers who would eventually become part of this new thing called the church down the road. And one more thing on this concept. There are things that many in the church do that are not even in the scriptures. Brethren, the Lord is never pleased when his children add to or take away from his word. Never, no matter how sincere you are. And to do so, whether ignorantly or purposely, will result in some very serious condemnation judgments in eternity. Matthew 5 19, Christ says, whoever knows the least of my commandments shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. Brethren, Christ did not say this for the fun of it. Once we have determined to believe only what God has told us to believe from his word, then it becomes imperative that we rightly divide his word and obey those commandments that pertain to the church believers. Some modern translators have changed the word rightly divide, divide, the word divide, to the word rightly handling. But that's not what the word The word is not handling. The Greek word for divide is orothameo, which means to divide. The word divide literally means to cut along specific or certain lines. This text goes along with not adding to the scriptures. If we attempt to take every word in the Bible and apply it to our lives, the Bible will never make sense to us. I have already used the day of Pentecost as an example of this. I believe that there are many believers who get sidetracked biblically when they try to do everything that the Bible says. This non-commanded directive to try to do everything that the Bible says over and over again is why many in the church end up trying to handle poisonous snakes and interpret dreams and visions. Brethren, if the Lord is going to give you a vision, you will not need someone to interpret what he's telling you. Every single place in the New Testament where people received a vision or dream from the Lord, they knew exactly what the Lord was telling them. Also, the laying on of hands is a means of giving someone the second Holy Spirit. This is something else that people pull out of one little spot in the Bible and try to make denominations out of it. Because people are adding to the scriptures, we have churches trying to force healings on people, force tongues on people. we try, we got church churches trying to force believers into some mysterious second baptism. I could go on and on and on with stuff that people pulled out of the scriptures but does not apply for the church age. If believers attempt to take every word in the Bible and apply it in their lives, what will happen is that people will begin to do whatever seems right in their own eyes. And because believers are at various stages of spiritual maturity, i.e. spiritual understanding, not everyone divides the word the same. This is why the Apostle Paul commanded Timothy to teach God's word to faithful men and women, and not just some Joe Schmo who's going to show up and not understand what you share and then twist it and turn it around. Brethren, the key to having a proper biblical understanding is to rightly divide the scriptures. And rightly dividing God's word is not just a matter of knowing the meanings of Hebrew and Greek words and or knowing the church doctrines. One also has to be able to rightly divide the context of what is being shared in the scriptures. There is stuff shared in the New Testament that was only intended for the Jewish believers. Just as there is stuff shared in the New Testament that is only intended for the Gentiles. There is stuff in the New Testament that is intended only for men aspiring to be church leaders. There is stuff in the New Testament that is intended only for husbands or children and wives. It is not righteous for believers to just pick and choose the verses that seem to make sense to them and ignore the ones that do not. That happens a lot in the church. When we apply the hermeneutics of rightly dividing our faith, we will be able to live a life for God that is within God's plans for us today. This in turn allows believers to have faith in the things in which God has told us to have faith in. A very important and mostly neglected fact is that many of the things said in the New Testament are not said directly to each and every believer. And I'm not talking about dispensational differences, I'm talking about individual differences. The great things that the Apostle Paul said about the believers in Ephesus or Philippi does not apply to the mostly carnal church of Corinth. The promises of God that the Apostle shares with the faithful believers of Colossae and Thessalonica were not directed towards the carnal believers in the book of Corinthians, Hebrews, and James. We must not confuse the things that God has said to us in the church age with what God said to the Israelites living under the law of Moses. This only causes us to confuse our faith. Until we learn to rightly divide the word of truth, we will continually be mislacing our trust in God for things He has never asked us to trust Him for. And contrary to what so many of the popular sermons and books say, God does not have an individual plan for each and every one of us today. He has an administration plan for the whole church. Administrative simply means that the Lord has a specific way that He wants the church and the people in it to function. By that I mean the Lord wants all His children to abide in His word. The Lord wants all believers to strive to be Christ-like in their behavior. The Lord wants all the children to not be worry wards and to be grateful and thankful. The Lord wants all believers to love their enemies. The Lord wants all Christian husbands to love their wife just like Christ loved the church. I could go on and on and on with God's administrative plans for his people. These are rules and guidelines in a way that he wants stuff done. A good example of God's administrative plan for his children is in the year of evangelism. It is God's will that all believers go out to the world one way or another and share the message of Christ. In the area of the administrative or church plan for evangelism, the Lord wants all his children to be faithful in sharing their faith. It is not, it's not God's plan that only some of his children share their faith. It's not God's plan that only some of his children love their enemies. It's not God's plan that only some husbands love their wives, like Christ loved the church. It's not God's will that only some believers know the scriptures. And believers need to understand what all of God's church administrative plans are by discovering what God is saying to us today through knowing his scriptures. I personally believe that today we are living in the age of the Gentiles. Some people like to say we are living in a time of salvation by grace. Brethren, God's people have always been saved by grace. Even when believers were going through all that blood and gore at the temple. Now, with that said, I do not believe that this means that only Gentiles can become believers. Thousands upon believers who are Jewish have become born again over the last thousands of years. However, even with that said, it's important to realize that some New Testament epistle books, like Philippians, Ephesians, Colossians, Second Timothy, Titus, and Philemon, were mainly directed towards Gentiles. However, I am under the conviction that it is irrelevant if you are a Jew or a Gentile or a barbarian or even Irish, the commandments handed down to the Gentile believer are just as relevant to the Jewish believer today in the church age. Remember, there came a time in the church age when that invisible wall that divided the Jew, previously God's people, from the Gentile, once not God's people, that wall came down. There came a time when the nation of Israel was no longer the only apple of God's eye. Now, even with that said, there is application for a Gentile believer for some of the stuff written in New Testament letters to the Christian Jews. Now this topic is a whole podcast in itself, so I don't want to get too sidetracked here, but I do, I do not believe for one second that the warning given to the Hebrew Jewish believers for walking away from the faith in the book of Hebrews are any less serious if the Gentile believer walks away from the faith. It says in Hebrews 2.1, For this reason we must pay a close attention to what we have heard so that we do not drift away from it. Gentile believers need to be concerned about drifting away from the faith, too. Now, I don't want to get sidetracked here on a different topic. I'll I'll share that concept uh, about the separation of the Jewish Christian and the Gentile Christian in the early church and how that wall came down later on in a different podcast. Now, even with that said, we must be diligent to rightly divide the distinctions that did exist between the Old Testament Jewish believer and the New Testament church believers. Keep in mind that when the church first started out, it was made up of only Jews. It was not until the Jews as a nation turned their back on Christ as their Messiah that the Lord opened the church doors for the Gentiles. Now, this concept of God turning to the Gentiles was not a complete mystery. The Old Testament clearly tells us that there would come a time when the Lord would call a people unto himself who were not Jews. However, the concept of Jews and Gentiles being united in this thing called the body of Christ or the church was brand new. It was so new that initially the only commandments that the Jewish apostles had for the newly converted Gentile believers was Acts 21-25. They gave them these rules. They said, you know what? Stay away from meat, sacrificed to idols, and from blood, and from that which is strangled, and from fornication. Those four things were things that were done in the Gentile pagan temples. So they told the new converts, hey, you need to stop doing that. Those are the only commandments they had until the epistles came out. It would be years later when the Apostle Paul started getting new church revelation from the Lord about the rules, the guidelines, and the commandments. That was the administration stuff the Lord gave to Paul that were added to the church. With a rightly dividing understanding of God's word, we can avoid getting caught up in all the confusing, contradictory, and non-biblical doctrine that exists in Christendom. The idea of God's people being deceived or led astray from God's truths goes way back to the Garden of Eden. The Lord had set down rules that he expected Adam and Eve to obey, exactly as he had them laid out. So what happens? Satan shows up and gets Eve to question the rules the Lord set down. Satan knows a woman to be more emotional, exploits her weakness, and gets her to question the absolute truths of what God said. Brethren, true God-pleasing faith can only happen if the believer is rightly dividing God's word. This means rightly dividing God's word in order to believe the true saving gospel of Christ. I personally believe that there are many in the church who are not truly born again or saved because they did not rightly divide what the Bible says about the saving gospel of Christ. If you want to have strong faith, you also have to rightly divide the meaning and application of the Hebrew and Greek language. Brethren, I've seen many a pastor do an entire sermon using the English word and the English meaning of words that he was reading when in reality, the Greek or Hebrew meanings of those English words he was using to preach from had nothing to do with what he was teaching. It had nothing to do with sound doctrine. Rightly dividing God's word also means knowing which teachings or doctrines are applicable for today's church age. Rightly dividing would involve learning and teaching that 99% of what is being shared in the book of Acts are not doctrinal commandments for today's church age. Rightly dividing God's word also involves learning and understanding the context of of what is being shared in a Bible verse or verses. This proper rightly dividing would entail understanding what teachings the Lord intended for for just maybe for the Jews when he first got converted, and what teachings were intended for the entire church once both Jews and Gentiles were united. And rightly dividing God's word would also entail understanding and believing the conditional blessings or promises that are directed towards believers. These conditional blessings and promises are not intended to be unconditional, Too many people in the church want to hand out all these promises and blessings to people just because they're born again. It doesn't work that way. One of the most abused verses in the scriptures is Philippians 1 6. I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Jesus Christ returns. Brethren, the Apostle Paul wrote that to the faithful Philippian believers. That verse is not an unconditional promise for all Christians. The carnal believers that in the church of Corinth or in the church of Galatia, this is not a promise for them. God is not going to finish a work in people who are carnal. This verse is a promise to faithful people. The verse in Philippians 1.6, Paul had, had a lot of good things to say about the Philippians and the, the believers at Ephesus and the believers at Thessalonica. They were a blessing to the Lord. Not all the Christians were a blessing to the Lord. The good Lord is only going to accomplish his work in those children of his who are walking with him according to his word. We have examples in the New Testament church about believers who deserted the Lord, people who deserted Paul, people who were following Satan, people who were teaching doctrines of demons. We got all kinds of examples of carnal Christians. The Lord's not going to complete a work in them unless there's some repentance that goes on. So again, in closing, there's a lot of believers in the church who have a lot of faith and trust that the Lord's going to do stuff that the Bible doesn't say he's going to do. There's a lot of believers in the church who are believing stuff they shouldn't be believing. There's a lot of believers in the church who are doing stuff that's not for the church age. There are just as there is a lot of believers in the church who have faith in stuff that they should have not have faith in. Brethren, we're supposed to be trusting the Lord no matter what's going on in our life, whether we're healthy or unhealthy, whether we're sick, whether we're being persecuted. We need to stop turning the Lord into a fairy tale God and just trust Him for the things that He told us to trust Him for. Brethren, walking in a manner that pleases the Lord can only happen If a believer is walking in obedience to those commandments in the Bible that apply for the church, simply telling the Lord that we believe and trust him while not doing, as the Bible says, is oxymoronic. Unless we are a brand new believer who knows little of God's word, it is impossible to truly be a man or woman of faith if we're not doing what the book says. And if we're not doing what the book says while rightly dividing it. 3 John 1, 2-4, Beloved, I prayed that in all respects you may prosper and be in good health, just as your soul prospers. For I was very glad when brethren came and testified to your truth. That is how you are walking in the truth. I have no greater joy than this, to hear my children walking in the truth. Brethren, know your scriptures. Learn your scriptures. Christ said in the end times, many will come in his name and mislead many, and many will be misled. That means that a sign of the end time church will be churches run by either ignorant or deceiving Bible teachers and a lot of biblically misled sheep. Once again, Christ's words have come to fruition. Just saying, keep focused, your friend in Christ, Brother Bob. him at gmail.com